Welcome to Inside the Hype.tv podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Umberto Bonquistiani. In this podcast, we talk about the teachings of the most successful society in natural history, the honeybees. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, an advanced beekeeper, or just curious about honeybees. Here, you'll find great conversations to educate and entertain yourself about this wonderful insect. From honeybee biology to how to make money with honeybees, you won't miss anything here. Inside the Hive.TV podcast is brought to you by our fans on Patreon. On Patreon, you can access all episodes before anybody else and exclusive content, like behind-the-scenes videos, live streams, and more. If you want to learn more about honeybees and help me to make more content about honeybees to everybody, please visit patreon.com slash insidethehive.tv and join our community. In this episode, Dr. Sanford and I discussed my live stream interview with Dr. Muhammad Alburaki. We talked about Dr. Alburaki's latest scientific publication, which found out that honeybees population in the United States have a very low genetic diversity. Dr. Sanford provided his perspective on the subject, and we both discussed the emergency of the first truly American honeybee haplotype, which is starting to appear in different parts of the United States and was identified in Dr. Alburaki's study. It is a fascinating subject, and we hope you enjoy listening to it. All right, Professor, Dr. Malcolm, what we have in mind today, are we going to react to the podcast of Dr. Mohammed Alburaki? I know you were very interested in that conversation, and I'm sure you have something to add to it. Well, there's no question about that. Uh, and uh, what, what we're looking at now, of course, is the is the situation with uh, and how you determine the races of bees. In the, in, in the past, you know, it was uh, done by uh, morphometrics. And yeah. uh, that was basically is, is measuring bees, various categories of, you know, measuring the length of the bees' wings and whatever else. And it was all about measurements, it's physical measurements. And now, of course, yeah. it's genetics. And so that's what he's broaching on this whole area. You got a whole new concept of trying to figure out what bees are, are where and and that's going to be and that's what you're talking about kind of interested in is is looking at the, of course we're more more interested in using looking at the u.s but we also should be looking at other areas around the world too that have uh, a whole new world opening up to them in terms of the genetics before we go into the details that i know i want to get your perspective about the historical perspective of how people measure those things in the past, how genetics get involved, and we can discuss the details on that. I want to give you a, a little overview about what, is, what this conversation is going to be about it, because maybe people are just tuning in and don't know anything, but doesn't know about the podcast, doesn't know about the conversation I got with Dr. Alburaki. So what's going on is that I have a live stream with Dr. Uh, Mohammed Alburaki, a research scientist at the USDA ARS in Beltsville, a very prestigious bee lab in the United States, talking about his research, his latest research about the genetic diversity of honeybees in the United States. And the conversation was really interesting and people was very reacted to it because there is so much in that conversation about apparently the, the population of the United States, the honeybee population in the United States are losing their genetic diversity. And this is a concern 
So we discuss all the, the potential problems with that, potential solutions with that. And in today's podcast, I invite Dr. Malcolm Samford to, to talk about the podcast itself because I know Dr. Malcolm Samford know a lot about these things and, and can give us a little historic perspective uh, about this whole thing. And so if you're tuning in, I think I, I, I give you a little overview about what we're talking about today. So Professor, how, how do you characterize the bees in the past? I, I, there is a lot of morphometrics. Do you know how, have you done this before? Well, I haven't specifically done it, but I know about it because we were involved in it. I, mostly we were involved in it when the Africanized bee uh, was coming out of Mexico and invading the United States. And we weren't sure what's going to happen. And we weren't sure what's going to be Africanized and what isn't. And so what brought that what brought that up was the idea that morphometrics was the technology at the time to determine these things, to determine the races of bees. That was the pioneer guy was Rutner. He did that many, many years ago. And he, his papers are still available. But of course, now we're looking at the molecular aspects of it. And uh, that's, a, that's a whole different kind of situation. And so the, 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 the technology has moved. It's moved from just measurements of, of characteristics to the molecular measurements. Yeah, that was a problem in the past. Uh, when, when that happened, Professor, when was the bees getting into the border and we start this whole activity to, and this whole beekeeping community and researchers in the United States start to be concerned about the potential introduction of the Africanized bees into the United States. And, and I know you were involved a little bit on that. You cover a lot of this with articles uh, that we're going to leave here in the description of the video or in the, in the notes of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. I, I, have, I have information on that. And of course, we worked with different kinds of people. Uh, and uh, as I recall, you know, if you look at the history of the Africanized bee, if uh, you look at uh, Venezuela, this is where it all kind of came down. And most of those researchers were at the USDA bee lab in Baton Rouge in Louisiana. And uh, those were the, that was the start of the concept of using morphometrics to measure the bees and try to figure out what kind of bees were coming out of Brazil up through and going to be going through the Panama into Mexico and in the United States. Wow, that was that was a while ago and as the, <laughs> too, too long ago. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the prediction. I, I yeah, I never thought, you know, uh, as a Brazilian from this city, I got my college in the city in the same university where the Africanized bees were released. I know the whole story very well and how fast they propagate. Uh, it, it will be almost impossible to, to stop them the way, the way things were going. And so they are here right now in the South. And so, and Dr. Alburaki was able to show uh, with genetics where those straits are. Actually, there is a lot in Texas, a lot in Florida. I was surprised on some states there was in the north, which is more cold. I got a little concern about that. It's not exactly the Africanized bees, but there is some traits of Africanization that we know that was found in some states in the north where we believed Africanized bees cannot reach because of the cold. So it's, it's, this whole thing is very fascinating, fascinating to me, and I encourage, if you didn't see the video, my video with the Dr. Alboraki, let me show you here how you can 
find in my YouTube channel because a lot of people were confused how they can find my video sometimes. So let me once and for all show you how, how, how things work here in, you, in YouTube. So right here in this page that you see here in front of me, you see my YouTube channel. This is my YouTube channel. You can scroll down and you're going to see here home. You can go to the videos the short videos, the live streams, the podcast, the playlist, the community tab. But I think the best way, the easiest way is to scroll down and then you're going to see here my popular videos. You're going to see all the videos and those are the earliest video, the, you know, the lastest videos that I published. And then if you scroll down, you can see also the live streams. So for example, my last live stream was Dr. Muhammad Alboraki, so you can find right here. This is the thumbnail. Or sometimes this is a podcast, and then you can click in the podcast. For example, go to the podcast, go down and find the Alboraki one. So you can see his face here. You can see his name here. And when you click it, boom, then we start. So I'm going to keep this open here so we can get the graphics in case we're going to show anything to to the public so professor let's continue this conversation i'm going to remove this for now so we can continue this so what what else got your attention in our in my conversation with dr alboraki I know you got interested in the history. I remember you telling me that. There is anything else got your attention in that conversation? Because I want to talk about something with you, but I want to know if you have something else to say. Well, I, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, educated in, in the process that he used. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to know exactly what, what, uh, you know, what he did and so on. We do yeah. know now that we have a, a certain amount of, we have the, the various haplotypes and so on that he, he, he found. And to me, that's, that's the most important thing is to not so much why, how it happened and so on, but what they mean. And I like your idea of having an American bee. Uh, I think it's well, a little let's bit- Well, let's talk about that then, Professor. A little bit broad, about it's, that. it's a little bit broader than I might think, because again, what is the Americas? <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Now, I think that's that's the thing that interested me the most in that conversation. Yes, the genetic diversity is going down. This is a concern. Yes. However, there is something in that conversation that starts a whole side project for me now, which is I call the search for the American bee. Right. And what I'm trying to say here is in that conversation, Dr. Alboraki was able in that research paper he published he was able to identify some new haplotypes in the United States. Yeah, haplotypes. He's got 14, uh, 14 new haplotypes, I think. Yes, yeah, that yeah. doesn't match with anything, anything else, else in the world. <laughs> right. That's so this cool. is an American bee. So finally, after how, how many years now? 400? So the bees were introduced in the 1600. So it took... It took forever, which is how genetic evolution works, takes a long time. And now we start to see in some parts and some states, some haplotypes coming that's different from anything else. So right. this means we are finally seeing the birth of the American bee. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting to me. Well, remember too, the 1922 law that exists on the books. 
There's yeah. a law that you cannot import honeybees in the United States. <laughs> and you, we know well, that that certainly is, is not realistic. I mean, over the years, people have imported the things all over the place and whatever else. And so uh, that, that's, that is true. The idea of the American bee, I think it should be uh, categorized a little bit narrower than that. But anyway, that's the, I think in, in the haplotype, it is. The haplotype is the, is the American bee, the C1 North American or American haplotype that he talked about. That would be the yeah. one, I think that was the one, wasn't it? Uh, he was able to find no, some. No, the Carniolan bee. He's, now, that was Carniolan. the most interesting thing. The Carniolan bee was the most, was the most, uh, most of the haplotype in the Carniolan bee, not not the Italian bee. Because I would have said the Italian bee for years and years and years was the bee. Which, what that mean, Professor, is that some, pay, some people, some places, or some bees that was in nature, wild, were able to be there, isolated themselves a little bit, or beekeepers were helping somehow. That, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and the generation of those bees already started. And I got so interested that I started a side project that I call Finding the American Bee. <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to come up with the name. <laughs> well, remember but, we, talk, we talked about history, the, the aboriginal uh, idea of the bees when the, when the bees first came, right? And they came and they, the, these bees were the, the pioneers of in the United States, certainly, of moving westward. The people moved west, but before the people, the honeybees moved west. And that was called, you know, that was, they call that the white man's fly. The white <laughs> man's fly. What was taken at that time. But yeah, so that, that started right when, when everything started. The bees took off. And you could have probably what would be considered to be the white man's fly on the West Coast for a long time before all the other importations occurred later on. Yeah, I, I'm interested in that. And so I, I start to go after the bee because I am in, I mean, I'm interested to know what the American bees do, what, what, what they are, what, the, what their differences. Right. right. You know, if there is any behavioral differences that we're going to find on those bees. So I know, talking with Dr. Roboraki, I know that Vermont, Vermont was one of the places they start to find those haplotypes. So I, 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 I got a plane and I, and I spent a week with a bunch of beekeepers that I stopped by at, to talk about with the Moraz family, Charles Moraz. Yeah, Charlie Moraz. Yeah, yeah. Charles Moraz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I stopped there. I, I stopped to talk to, to, to Mike. Uh, Mike Palmer, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew. So I stopped and talk a, a, a lot of interesting people, and and to just so I, I I can't I can't say too much, but there is videos coming about that oh, from yeah. okay. a, about about Vermont beekeeping. But it's this is part of my hunting now side project to find the American bee. So right, okay. Well, I think that's that's a, it's an interesting thing, the way to go. And of course, remember the Canadians have their own bee in a way to some degree. And, yeah. uh, and also, uh, you know, uh, throughout the United States, you've got the Florida bee, I'm sure. And there's a California bee. And there's, there's yeah. the movement. Remember the movement. Every year, thousands of colonies are moved out of Florida. Where? To California. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to pollute, but to populate. To, to do the uh, I'm, pollination. I'm not I'm not sure the American bee will be part of this movement, Professor, because genetically, to, to, to a new haplotype to happen, need to need to have isolation, environmental right. isolation right. somehow. 
And if, if, if the bees are part of this cycle of the commercial beekeeping in, in America, I think it would be very hard for them to develop these new haplotypes. But I, I don't know. So it's something to investigate for sure. But if I need to guess, it's going to be in those states that beekeepers are more isolated. They like to do things in a different ways, not not the same way of everybody else's. Right. So I, that that would be my guess. And you got different climate areas too. You know, there's yeah. some, that's, yeah. that's another aspect of this that's real important. And uh, so that that's that's the situation. Remember what he said in his in his podcast. The most important thing was what diversity. 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 Yeah. He said that a number of times. And even though he's doing all this other stuff, trying to find some isolated areas with bees and so on, really his, you know, and our, I think our focus here and elsewhere is we should have as much diversity as possible. I agree with you, Professor. And I, I cannot stress that enough to beekeepers, commercial beekeepers, backyard beekeepers, maybe. Sometimes I have conversations that it's hard for the people to realize that if they don't travel too much to see other bees in other environments. Yeah. I, got, I got that. So yeah. I encourage perhaps people to go to Europe, go to other places to see the bees and what people can do with bees with the different traits, yeah. you know, different ways. Mm-hmm. Because here in America, it's become so equal, everything. And this is dangerous. When something happens, you know, then, you know, 40, 60% of the bees are gone because you don't have that genetic diversity protection, you know, is making the system stronger. So well, we you need do to have some. You do have some of that because you have an industry of uh, people that are raising honeybees. <laughs> That's a whole nother area, you know. Yep. Remember in the, in the historic analysis, Canada, uh, before the coming of the uh, tracheal mite, uh, Canada's model was to kill all their bees <laughs> after, they, after they after they harvested the honey they killed all the bees and then they bought bees from the south the united states south in the spring of ne- the next year this allowed them to keep all the honey that the bees made and sell it instead of feeding it back to the bees during the winter time and they create a whole new ball game with the whole new s- series of bees coming out of the united states where they come from the southern united states georgia that kind of thing. So that was also part of part of what created the can- Canadian bee. By the way, they're still we're still involved in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even like to, to 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 hear those things, Professor, because it's so, you know, those business model that that you just kill a bunch of bees for for profit just doesn't doesn't click with my with my philosophy of well, there you go. But it's a business. Business is I know, money is I money. Know, business yeah. is business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Business, business. <laughs> is, some business are models. I think are very destructive, and I'm against them. I, I'm very clear about that. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's so. That's uh, that's where we are with this. It's. I, I think. I think the real message of the whole thing is: the more diverse you are, the better off you are. Yes. And whether I, you know what haplotype you're doing or whatever else is kind of uh, it's kind of impossible to figure that out at the moment yeah. because we just don't have the technology to do that. We're getting closer with the molecular than we were with the other the uh, you know the morphometrics. Morphometrics was a yeah. was a whole different ball game. Yeah. The diversity is very very important uh, because most of the things in beekeeping we can't control all the variables we can't control. The only thing that could shield us a little bit more 
is to is to have a more diversity that can you know make a buffer when when the bad things arrive we do instead of lose you know all the 60 percent yeah, we learned that with the tracheal mite we learned that with varroa yeah uh, we, we we're, we're, learning, we're learning as we go along the whole thing is involved in that situation people, sometimes people don't believe me when i said in brazil like 96 percent of the people don't treat for anything don't do anything it's just and they keep producing so there is a there is a model the yeah. bees yeah. figure it out <laughs> right <laughs> and of course that again has to do with uh mostly interesting to me is moisture water we can talk about that in another episode, <laughs> Professor. That's in right. Another that's, episode. that's really what drives what drives Africanized bees? Water. If they yep. can't get water, water they water, yeah. That's they it. chase water. Yep. That's what they, they did in water. Africa. They chase water. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Professor. I think this is this is a good time for us to end this one. But I wanna remind the people at home, uh, what what were you doing here? Like the structure. I'm going to have many live streams with, with guests, researchers, and then myself and Dr. Malcolm Samford here, we're going to analyze a little deeper those podcasts and those conversations. So if you have questions about any of my podcasts and those live interviews that I have, please don't hesitate to send that out so I can show to Dr. Samford and then so we can discuss here in the podcast. So with that in mind, Professor, I want to thank you for your time. And you guys at home, thank you for listening. All right. See you on the next podcast. See you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Inside the Hive.TV podcast is brought to you by our fans on Patreon. On Patreon, you can access all episodes before anybody else and exclusive content like behind-the-scenes videos, live streams, and more. If you want to learn more about honeybees and help me to make more content about honeybees to everybody, please visit patreon.com slash TV and join our community.